The following episode discusses eating disorders. It is brief and does not go into detail, but I did want to provide you with a trigger warning. If you or someone you know is struggling with an eating disorder, you can reach out to the National Eating Disorders Association helpline at 1-800-931-2237. Here's the episode. to episode 9 of Long Hair Do Care. I am your host, Georgie Corkery, pronouns she, her, hers. Also happy to go by they, them, theirs. This podcast is all about different topics that fall under the broad yet niche umbrella of queer intersectional ecofeminism. Today's topic is going to be Utah Permaculture Collective. And to help me talk about the Utah Permaculture Collective, I have a special guest and my dear friend, Kira Lusich. Kira Lusich is a chairperson of Utah Permaculture Collective, a special education teacher, and a human movement nerd. (laughs) Hi, Kira. Hi, Georgie. I'm Kira, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on and to talk about all the great things that you're Mm -hmm. involved with. But before we can even jump into talking about the number of cats and wildlife, Teslas, and conscious content consumption for this episode, I want to do a little podcast check-in. Though this is episode 9, I've actually recorded 16 episodes. I've been trying to do this weekly, but I skipped episode 9 completely. (laughs) So when I talk about the cats and the Teslas, this is actually going to be from... June 20th, 2021, and it is now September 25th, 2021, but I will talk about that because I recorded it, I wrote it down, I have a whole catalog, but I was in a very different place then, then I had just gotten back from a trip from California where I visited Molly Scoville, my roommate, old roommate, shout out to you Molly, I love you. And now I'm in grad school, so (laughs) very different places I've recorded and edited a lot of my podcast episodes and realize that I don't always sound the way that I want to, but it's not going to stop me. So (laughs) here we go, jumping into the cats for the week. Kira, do you want to start, take the reins on the cats you've interacted with? (laughs) Yes. Well, not long ago, we actually got a new kitten. (gasps) That's right! Yeah, he's a little black kitten, and I named him Bear because when he was... I don't know, nine days old. I was lucky enough <laughs> to see him, and he looked like a little baby black bear. And I was there. And you were there. <laughs> I yes. saw them. That kitten was in my house. Yes. Along with five others. So yeah. cute. And I have you to thank for bringing us together, because he is, well, he's kind of a pain in the ass, because he's, <laughs> you know, a kitten who jumps on things, tortures our other cat. Mm-hmm. But he also takes naps with me and purrs on my chest and oh, makes man. me feel like I'm loved. Cats, yay! (laughs) Cats are really bundles of joy. I am always shocked when people say they don't like cats. I know, Um, and I like talking about them on this podcast because even thinking about cats gets like the (laughs) serotonin going, and it's just like, oh, they're cute little fucking kitten faces, whiskers. So yeah, I'm glad that you have. So you've interacted with Bear and then Mm -hmm. your other cat. Yeah, and our other cat and. Then, as always in my yard, we have lots of feral cats coming in and mm. out and yeah. running around. Feral cats are a huge issue, and I'm actually going to, in the future, have a guest come on to talk about that. So Hell yeah. The cats I saw back in June, the week of June 20th, I, again, was in California. I saw one at a hot springs. So what? we, like, hiked... I forget the name of the hot springs now, but we hiked two miles down to this hot springs in the middle of nowhere in the desert, and a lot of people camp there, and there's this couple, they had a kitten, and they're like, yeah, we're training it to hike with us, and they're in the water, and the cat, not on a leash, just roaming around like, meow, meow, and it was kind of sad to see, (laughs) but it was also like, wow, this is a really great adventure for you, but your people are like out of sight, and so that was a little concerning. 
also partly concerning because we saw two rattlesnakes and oh, another yeah. snake there. That's for my wildlife. But yeah, I saw those and I was like, okay. And then I saw one cute cat in the street of San Diego just ran out. And at first <laughs> it like ran out to the group of us. One was a local San Diegan. I don't know if that's... San Diegan. San Diegan. <laughs> And, uh, so the cat ran out and then was going to turn around, and then my friend, Aaron, he was like, oh, Frisky, or whatever the cat's name is, <laughs> Frankie, I don't remember, and the cat turned back around and came and we got a pet it, and so that was nice. Aww. And then I met somebody, this is the source of your kitten, mm-hmm. at that hot springs, <laughs> who had a cat in their van, little did we know... Actually, he probably knew that that cat was pregnant. Mm -hmm. So, and then the wildlife I saw, like I said, I saw a rattlesnake. It was quite intense because Mm. we had backpacked down in the dark. I was with this awesome person named Jill, and Jill was like, he's French, and he's like, Georgie. I don't know if that's what he sounds like. (laughs) Georgie, are you afraid of snakes? And I was like, where the fuck is the snake? And he like kind of put like place me where I could see the snake and then I screamed and then the snake went and like oh. did its rattle and then he like moved me back out of the way and was like okay <laughs> cool so one rattlesnake and then one green snake in the same place that was at least three feet long whoa so that was my wildlife some, some healthy snakes yeah, yeah yeah it's fun thinking about this trip going back in time a little so but that was really fun so for Tesla's <laughs> in my notes I just have Easily over 200 oh, because I was in California and the week before. I forget how many I saw. Oh, 106 and Whoa. nine halves because I nine just. Nine halves? Okay, so. <laughs> half Tesla, half. Well, I think all um, electric cars are cool and mm-hmm. noteworthy, mm-hmm. but they're not Teslas and I'm counting Teslas. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I count the halves and really pay attention, and sometimes I don't. Obviously, that week I didn't because I saw easily over 200. Mm-hmm. It was insane. I gave up around like 150. That actually prompted me to buy the clicker that I now use to count Tesla's that's in my car. <laughs> so I'm getting really into this. <laughs> yeah, and it's really satisfying to punch that thing. I don't know at what point I start using that in the episode saga, but uh, yeah, I did buy that. For conscious content consumption for this week, or past future me week, was Becoming by Michelle mm. Obama which was published November 13th, 2018. I really wanted to talk about this book. I read it a while ago, and it's one of the few books that I read that wasn't a novel, that was a page-turner. Mm-hmm. I have a really hard time with nonfiction, but the way Michelle Obama writes is just so eloquent. Mm-hmm. She takes the story from the beginning when she was younger, living back, I believe, in Chicago, mm-hmm. I believe Detroit. Yeah. And how her family, her parents together were incredible influences in her life. And how her and her brother either did or didn't get along. And she was a little sister and it was really relatable. She talks about learning how to play the piano and being nervous. And having all these members of her community around her. And then growing up, something I was worried about was that the focus of this book would be, and then I met Obama, Mm -hmm. and it'll be about Barack Obama. And there was a little bit of that aspect, just because that is a huge part of her life. Mm -hmm. Um, She talks really hilariously about when she first met him, and he smoked cigarettes, (laughs) and she hated that people wanted to couple them up at work because they were the two black people. And then it, you know, (laughs) and he had a horrible car and she talks hilariously about that aspect of it and then how she wanted to develop her own career and how together they juggled that and a real good example of how two adults who are career focused got to balance their careers together Mm -hmm. while also having these two kids that she absolutely loves and adores and then... Then someone suggested that he become senator, and then someone suggested that he run for president. And we went through all this crap, and then he became president, and I wasn't sure if I should cry or not, because 
now my life has changed and talking about her mom and her parents and everyone around her and then all the opportunities she got. It was an incredible book, really well written. One thing that I do think about a lot is she explained when gay marriage was legalized and they had the rainbow lights up. Mm-hmm. I and remember that. She was like, this is a historic moment and we're in here. Mm-hmm. She was like, hey, daughters, let's go. And one of the daughters was like, nah. And then the other one was like, let's do it. And so they're just walking past security, not telling them what they're doing. And security's like, hey, hey, what are you, what are you doing? <laughs> and she was going to go out the front doors to see it. And then someone stopped her and they're like, side door, side door. And she's like, okay, whatever. And so they go out and she's like, no one's stopping me from seeing this historic moment. And yeah. just being on the side of her house, which is the fucking White House, yeah, and seeing this, and seeing this moment in history, yes. and it's, hell yeah, way to capture that, and write about it really articulately. Mm-hmm. As always, I do have some quotes to share. There's also the description of the book, which I'll fly through really quick. Becoming is a memoir of former First Lady of the United States, Michelle Obama, described by the author as a deeply personal experience the book talks about her roots and how she found her voice as well as her time in the white house her public health campaign and her role as a mother that is such a shallow representation of how Mm -hmm. amazing this book is these quotes i pulled these back in june so i'm not sure what they're gonna be or why i picked them first one do we settle for the world as it is Or do we work for the world as it should be? And Mm -hmm. there's an obvious answer to that question. I feel really good reading that and knowing that she put that out there because I actively am trying to work for the world that I want. And I know you two are doing that, Kira. So I think that's why (laughs) we're good friends. Perfect quote for this recording today. So good. Quote number two. Everyone on Earth, they'd tell us, was carrying around an unseen history, and that alone deserves some tolerance. That comes into the intersectionality of life. Everybody has their own, uh, what some people call baggage, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. But the older I get, the more I realize, oh, everyone around me has had X amount of time to go through so much shit and had either microaggressions or gone through different experiences, gone through really radical things, whether that's getting an incredible education or being part of a really cool experience, just learning more about life. So I like this quote. Mm -hmm. I like that one a lot. And final quote, it's very long, quote number three, women endure entire lifetimes of these indignities, in the forms of catcalls, groping, assault, oppression. These things injure us. They sap our strength. Some of the cuts are so small they're barely visible. Others are huge and gaping, leaving scars that never heal. Either way, they accumulate. We carry them everywhere, to and from school and work, at home while raising our children, at our places of worship, any time we try to advance. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would change about that quote is minority genders as opposed to women and minorities in general. Microaggressions build up and they hurt. Yes. Um, Something I've suggested in the past for people to Google, there's a really great YouTube video that's just microaggressions mosquito metaphor. Mm. And it talks about microaggressions as mosquito bites. Mm -hmm. And one, it sucks. Mm-hmm. But if you had a hundred and they're covering your face and they're mm-hmm. covering your body, of course you're going to act out. And of course, yeah. That quote I like because it does represent that yeah. people are carrying these constant trials that we're going through as women, as queer people. Yeah. And I'm privileged enough to not have to deal with a number of other biases against me. But everyone has these and it's tough. And... Michelle Obama says it so well. Yes, so beautifully. Mm-hmm. The whole book. Is yeah, that I beautiful? appreciate having that all called out. Yeah. In writing. Yeah. This is happening. <laughs> Read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From, you know, a former first lady. Yeah. She is so incredible. She makes me want to be an even better person. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's also a Netflix special that is also called Becoming. It's good. 
definitely not as good as the book. It doesn't go nearly as in-depth. And I suggest you read the book and watch the special. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kira, you had a conscious content consumption that you wanted to share that I'm really excited about. I do. I have been reading this amazing book called Finding the Mother Tree. And it's written by Suzanne Simard, who's a... She's a Canadian. I don't even... I think she's a professor. But she long, long, long ago, like in the 70s, 80s, she started studying trees and she was in the foresting industry when she was told to cut down and kill a bunch of trees and then plant these new pines that would overtake everything. She noticed that they would all die. She was always really curious about why that was, why natural forests thrive and why sort of synthetically made forests die. The whole journey is about her making the connection with mycelium and how trees are yeah. actually communicating, communicating. Yeah. and they're they're not competing that's the big thing is that trees are not competing with one another and our whole they're all contributing industry, to the full community yes yeah yeah and they help each other grow they pass carbon they pass water they pass adaptogens mm-hmm. and they literally heal one another mm-hmm. they communicate to the point of You know, if there's a tree who's ill or sick or diseased miles away, the message will spread through the trees and they will literally build up their immunity to save one another. The more we learn about trees, (laughs) the more fascinating it is. What's the author's name? Suzanne Smart. Suzanne Smart. She did go on, I believe, Radio West or maybe it was Radio Lab. I think it was Radio West, another great podcast. And so I listened to the interview with her and learned a little bit about this. And it's just mind-blowing. I would love to read the book. But yeah, something that she said that stood out to me was when a tree is dying, it gives away its resources. Mm-hmm. So cutting down dead mm. trees isn't good. Even though we think, oh, we're clearing the yeah. area, we're cleaning it up. They're actually serving an ecological function. It makes me so angry. I was even just at the Urban Art Festival, and this guy makes really beautiful wood furniture, and he's like, yeah, we just go and we take down dead trees, and I just listened to that podcast, and I wanted to be like, ah, done! But being the angry environmentalist is not a great approach, so I did not. (laughs) I think what's also really captivating about the book is she describes... She beautifully shifts between talking about trees and forestry to her own personal life with her family. Yeah. And how many communication struggles that she has with her family and those around her and the foresting industry. And honestly... That's so interesting. What a good parallel. Yeah. Well, it's the best parallel because it on it really highlights the fact that humans really have some poor qualities <laughs> when it comes to yeah. communicating and competition and really just trying to get ahead and do what's productive and blah, Gosh, blah, blah, blah. If only All we could things, learn right? from trees and really take those lessons to heart. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> I, again, in her interview on Radio West, she talked about being in the forest industry when she first started her career and also not being really taken seriously. And the questions oh, she yeah. asked were just this is the way it is, honey, and that's the way we do it. Who would ask that? That doesn't matter. We're here to make a profit. When now we all know that there's better ways to do it, and her questions were super valid, and I'm Mm -hmm. so glad that it's shaped her into this author (laughs) and scientist generally. So really cool. I hope to be similar to that (laughs) in the future, a similar scientist. Maybe not with trees, but... Something. Yeah, she's very inspiring. Yeah. Well, let's jump into the topic, which, mm-hmm. again, everybody, is Utah Permaculture Collective. This is something that I came across because I've done a lot of farming in the past, and I immediately really liked the organization. I know that the organization has gone through a, a bunch of changes over through the pandemic, and Kira's been part of that. Um, so in Kira, yeah, in the middle of it. I'd love to have you first say what Utah Permaculture Collective is, and give a little history of how it came to be, and then of course talk about your involvement in it and how you got there. Yeah. So for 
for people listening who are not familiar with permaculture, it's it's a method of agriculture and building community, also just recognizing our impact on the earth and the environment around us and how to do that all in the most natural way. We want our plants to work together. We don't want to poison anything. We don't want to poison ourselves or our community or our bodies. It's really a method of working with nature and that extends to our communities and our consumption. I've never thought about permaculture extending to our communities, but oh yeah, that I don't know why that is such an obvious yes. part of what it's always been, especially in my life. Yeah. And, you know, if you really look at the core of it, it's based on indigenous practices. And I think, I think it's really easy to westernize and turn anything into a sort of a reductionist science. But I think we need to realize that permaculture at its core is trying to honor and get back to more indigenous practices because we realized that it was better for the earth. It was better for the communities and we would be healthier if we adopted those principles. Yeah, absolutely. I think how that exists in Utah. Oh man, it comes about in a lot of different ways. Yeah. (laughs) I think that conversation and unfortunately, even on this podcast, I haven't talked about native peoples Mm -hmm. and the fact that we are on their land and yes that's been taken from them and then subdivided and zoned the more i'm learning about it now even as a grad student going to these different seminars with land and people it's like oh man (laughs) every time i know it was horrific what we've done but the every Every minute more I learn about it, it's just like, oh, God. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. But that being said, the narrative around Native people shouldn't just be negative, and there's a lot of really great efforts from Native people restoring the land in an ecological manner in the way that you are talking about, yeah. trying to extend it to community and us really being a part of it instead of separate from it and zoned into different parts of it totally yeah being a part of it and also using that to make any sort of reparations that we can you know I think by naming that is that it comes from indigenous practices rather than Mm -hmm. this was started by some white guys in Australia which is what I I hear all the time and and it's so frustrating to get rid of that because where did all of these practices come from they've Mm -hmm. been happening for thousands of years Mm -hmm. you know I think what's interesting is you can walk through the mountains and forests of Utah and you can go forage and you have you have indigenous people to thank for that yeah. because they have they have planted they have cultivated they have created and sustained such a beautiful environment and i don't know i wonder if there will ever be a day where we really come to terms with how much we owe yeah we owe back I have been thinking the same thing and it would be so radical, but how great would it be if we really did turn over part of our government, if not all of our government to the people who are native to this land and who actually knew how to take care of it. And Mm -hmm. also now have all the knowledge that we do too. They, they have the upper hand on understanding Mm -hmm. (laughs) how to, run not this country but this land the earth gosh we're eco grief is so real yeah (laughs) yeah and they have a a lot of solutions Mm -hmm. that they've been screaming at us and dying saying Mm -hmm. gosh yeah yeah. i stop poisoning all i wonder how reparations are going to form through our lifetime i'm really curious and a little hopeful, but not yeah. extremely hopeful. I I feel that it is a duty of anybody who engages with permaculture to engage with that conversation and really ask how they how they could contribute to that. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it's carrying on the practices, donating funds, acknowledging where these practices came from, acknowledging the land. Yeah. Educating I, I a lot themselves. I yes. mean there's still a lot I don't know and just the past two weeks, I feel like I learned a lot more about 
Mm-hmm. bison yes <laughs> in their full connection to indigenous cultures and yeah. people were either they they were what they ate and that's also how they named their tribes yeah in some cases which yes. i did not know and so. i think what you just said they are what they ate is is the perfect parallel to kind of talk about what what i really have in my brain for today which is we are what we eat and how we move <laughs> mm-hmm Oh, yeah. And how we move. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we are just really just a summation of our eating habits and our movement habits and the environments that we that we place ourselves in. Real quick, I want to interject. When I first started spending time with Kira and we'd hang out inside because we met landscaping. Yeah. <laughs> but then we'd always spend time inside hanging out as friends. And Kira always sits on the floor. Yeah. And I love it. And that prompted me to buy the pillows that we're currently sitting what? on right now. I'm honored. Mm-hmm. You prompted these pillows. So Yay. Yay. They're the best floor pillows. Throw out and... your couches. Yeah. Burn your couches unless they're made with toxic chemicals. Yeah. The, don't burn, don't burn anything. Um, I don't know what to do about all the crap that we've yeah. already... JK, use it until yeah. you can't use it and then... And, and then, then dispose of it transfer. properly, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is. Or give it away. Yeah, give it away. Yeah. Reupholster, reuse, I don't know. Yeah. Different conversation, but yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that you... so much of the same conversation. Yeah, I, it is all connected, which again is why I really wanted to do this podcast because every aspect of it, hunting, that's another mm-hmm. episode that is coming up. I think it's the next one after this, I know, because I'm in the future, um, <laughs> but sitting on the floor, watching you stretch all the time when mm-hmm. we were at work, it's been a delight to cook and eat with you because you do have a great approach to food, one that I jive with, and it's always appalling to see people eat ramen noodles, and then I knew somebody in college who would eat ramen noodles and put Skippy's peanut butter in it Woof. to make... Pad Thai. Yeah. Oh, God. I was like, oh, it's so bad. And they're like, no, it's really good. You want to try it? It's like, no, for so many reasons. Yeah. It's really good to the taste buds on your tongue and the rest of you. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not going to be really good when you get really sick. Mm -hmm. Um, The topic that is always swimming in my head is where our biology is at, which is still old. Our bodies are old. Mm -hmm. And our access to technology and our growth of technology does not match our biology. Our bodies still want to walk barefoot. They still need to move. They still need to forage. They still need to engage with light in order to be healthy. Still need to crouch and yes. squat. And... and no one's surprised by that. You know, say, <laughs> yeah, you need to exercise. Yes. You know, your immune system is based on your movement. Mm-hmm. Your Sleeping habits are based on the sun. Everything that we do that is quote-unquote healthy, we do with our bodies. Yeah. Right? And I think that the convenience that we are are getting really trapped in is actually a consequence. Yeah. The convenience that we live is a long-term consequence to our health. Um, And you see that being played out. Oh, yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. With people aging and poor joints and yeah. all of it. Yeah. And it's perceived, you know, sedentarism and having all of these like easy access things is perceived as, oh man, it's just perceived as such a great thing. Like if you have the money to make things come to your house right away, if you yeah. have the money to have your whole house furnished, like if you have the privilege to create a very comfortable lifestyle for yourself, mm-hmm. you are sickening yourself. <laughs> um, there's two <laughs> things that I'd love to go from there. One is uh, privilege itself, but the other one before that is going shopping, going grocery shopping. Mm-hmm. It blows my mind how many people are like, yeah, no, I don't like going to the grocery store. One, I, I prefer the farmer's market. I'm just going to say that. Yeah. But when I was little, didn't go to the farmer's market. I always loved going to Smith's. It was like getting out. It was exciting to go and look at options and pick food. And even as an adult, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go to Sprouts or Natural Grocers Mm -hmm. to get out of my house, to move my body. Mm -hmm. I was just editing a podcast or 
reading a news article or working from home on my laptop something and it's like oh i want to get up and i want to move and i want to walk around the grocery store yeah and the farmer's market that's a whole other thing but what a great experience to walk around and interact with that and Mm -hmm. this convenience of buying cans of soup and they arrive and you just have to unwrap them from more packaging and put them in a pot yeah Yeah. blows my mind but the privilege thing which you and i did talk about a little bit before the podcast started um and we want to acknowledge it is a privilege for people to engage in permaculture. Mm-hmm. I think it's a privilege for people to get out and exercise yes. because of the way our system is set up. Yeah. Not everyone can afford to be like, okay, well, I'm going to have a standing desk or yeah. I'm going to sit on the floor. It's not even on their radar because they are trying to get by financially. They, in some cases, don't feel safe. They yeah. have, they're dealing with microaggressions all day, every day while being overworked yeah. and don't underfed space, and don't have the time, have malnourished. Care for. Yeah. yeah. All so of it. want to acknowledge that both Kira and I, we know we're privileged human beings. And I also hope that people with privilege use it well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a bummer to see not a lot of people doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and that it, it is a really interesting point that, you know, if you, like, let's just take the most simple thing where you put a seed in the ground and you have, to, and you water it and you keep it watered and then you grow the food and you harvest the food and you process the food or you store the food or you, you know, can it, what, whatever, whatever it is, you prepare it. That takes a lot of time and it takes resources and it takes space and it takes, you know, what, like it, it, it takes a lot of resource to grow one's own food. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, I think after years of trying to grow as much of my own produce as I possibly could in my own yard and failing miserably (laughs) garden and garden and not do my not do the work that I needed to do, and I'd Having be so way exhausted. Too much and I'd come inside, <laughs> and I would eat things like ramen. Uh-huh. I would go and garden for six hours, and then come home and be like, oh, <laughs> and not eat this beautiful stuff that I grew. Yeah, and that happened enough times that I was like, something is wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. What? How? What an interesting thing. I yeah, I've never even heard you talk about this. Yeah, well, the missing piece was was other people. Yeah. You know, the missing piece was community, which yeah. is really the, the 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 core part of permaculture that I think is often forgotten. People think I have to gild out my trees and I have to companion plant and I yeah. have to I can't plant this by that and they get people get really heady and it don't get me wrong, it is great to plan out your gardens. Yep. But it's even better to connect with other people who have done it or are going to do it. Mm-hmm. And do it together. Get courageous. Yeah. Get courageous. Swallow your ego and go do it together. <laughs> it yeah. might not turn out exactly how you want it to look, but having that dispersal of time and resource and then with the added bonus of connection. Yeah. And I love the the yoga word mudita, the sympathetic joy that you have grown <laughs> something with someone that you did it together and mm-hmm. you're happy for them and they're happy for you. And it's, it's really, you know, people care and people interaction is, I think the, the anchor of permaculture hmm. that often gets left yeah. out. That, yeah. You saying that just makes me think of all the times that I have, farmed or processed food Mm -hmm. um i've made gallons and gallons of tomato sauce and then (laughs) i've made at this point in my life over a hundred gallons of hard cider Mm -hmm. kira has helped me with that yeah (laughs) kira's also helped me drink it all of us yeah (laughs) and when you're with people it makes it way more fun and Mm -hmm. then you give away bottles and that's the whole point and from the picking of the fruit to the washing and the pressing and the bottling it all took so much time and yeah. I was really privileged to have all that time whether that was because I was only working I was working like 30 hours on the weekend when I was a fruit picker mm-hmm. um, and I was paid to pick the fruit which is awesome yeah um that's 
nice big stack. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, through Green Urban Lunchbox, which is um, an episode I do want to specifically do. But mm-hmm. they're great. I worked for them. I picked a bunch of fruit, and I was like, oh, my God, I want to make my own local uh, – I want to make my own local alcohol yeah. because I was sourcing almost everything at that point in my life locally, which – yeah, again, fallen fruit, huge the fruit privilege. That people don't yeah. want. Yeah, you made amazing things from it. Yeah, um, so that was, I mean, all that absolutely done with people. Mm-hmm. But another part, I think, of permaculture is supporting local farmers. Yes, because uh, I learned maybe in the same way that you did, where you kept trying to grow your own food and it didn't work and it Mm -hmm. didn't work and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um, I took care of chickens a number of times and I was just, every time I did, I wouldn't eat the eggs partially because I was grossed out and it was just a lot. (laughs) And I've decided I do not want a chicken coop when I buy my own house. And so many people are blown away by that because they're like, but you, you're like this environmentalist and you like local food. And it's like, no, no, no. I want my neighbor to yes. have chickens, and I will buy eggs from them happily. I yeah. buy eggs from the farmer's market. I buy eggs from Roots Charter High School mm-hmm. that I worked at, and they have eggs. And it's like, you know, I will buy them yeah. <laughs> from someone else. And we can, quote-unquote, outsource. We don't need to do everything ourselves. And, yes. I mean, that's what brought you us don't have to, do to this advanced <laughs> society is that we were able to – some people were farmers and some people weren't. and. Yeah. So I think just supporting your local farmers and permaculture people, which you can do with, uh, yeah, will you get into what Utah Permaculture Collective is? Totally, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We got sidetracked. That was forever, though. Yeah, so Utah Permaculture Collective, UPC, lovingly, because the name is really long. Um, (laughs) Our main vision is to connect, literally, really connect people with their food and their communities. We are not really, oh, there's so many people who are so concerned with the huge big picture of what's going on in the world and their thoughts are spreading them so thin. And we really want to bring that back, bring everything back to you and your family and your neighbor. Yeah, because that's where that's that's the change that we're seeing is when neighbors are getting together and sharing food, when urban growers are growing enough produce and donating it either to people like Wasteless Solutions or the Rescue Mission or the homeless shelters, different hunger relief programs. Yes, that is making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. And And that fresh fruit is so important to those communities. Yes. It's so important. I mean, I, you know, I took a box to the rescue mission and they opened the door and looked at it was I was what I was holding and their eyes almost popped out of their heads. And they were like, "Thank you. Thank you so much. Look at this. It's so beautiful." And I was like, "Yeah, it's there. Yes. Please. Please enjoy and take more, you know?" Yeah. Um and we're able to do that because there are many of us growing throughout the city. And our our needs are met, I, whether we have the, the funds to pay our rent, whether we um, can buy our own groceries or grow our own food. I think what's important is that if your needs are met, how can you help others? Yeah. How can you help others? And if your need, if some of your needs aren't met, how can you rely on other people to fulfill that? So what are some of the connections that have been made and that you're hoping to make in the future? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. A lot of the connections that are being made are, especially through the pandemic, um, is kind of busting through the isolation. We okay. noticed a really sharp decline of, of people's mental health. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and there are absolutely risks and we're still really, we're really tentative about having in-person things and, and how close we get. But we have to keep gathering and we have to keep asking and receiving. Yeah. And that that's a big thing for us is having the courage to ask for what you need, whether that's on our Facebook page or um, in a few of our very few live events, obviously. Yeah, asking for what you need and then also offering up the things that you have. So are there different organizations that you are involved with? You mentioned one earlier 
um, that gave you food and you brought it mm-hmm. somewhere? Yeah. What are involved organizations and people that you bring the food to? Yeah. So we, um, we have a CSA this year and, you know, shout out to Savannah Simmons Grover who planted so much food that we have <laughs> enough food for our CSA, enough food for all of the volunteers who run the CSA. Hell yeah. And then we can still give a lot more. So we give to the Krishna temple in Salt Lake city. That's where our sort of main garden hub is. And it's um, a beautiful garden. It's beautiful. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so we give to the Krishna garden. We give to Waste Less Solutions, which redistributes food. Um, we donate to all of, obviously, all the volunteers that come through. Yep. Which is um, awesome. Such a good yes. thing to do for the volunteers. Yeah. I feel like it's not appropriate to. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like if you ever have volunteers, you need to <laughs> have something that they walk away with. Yes. Yeah. And something significant. <laughs> You know, yeah. if, if they put in a day's work, you should feed their, feed their family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we also love to give to the rescue mission of Salt Lake. There's a few of those locations in town. Occasionally we drop off at the Utah Food Bank. Those are kind of our main okay. partners right now. And are there er, ways that individuals, if they do need food, for them to reach oh, yeah. out to you? Is oh, it, yeah. That's what the Facebook yes. and the Instagram is all for? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if I were somebody... Uh, a poor grad student, <laughs> let's yeah. say, and I was like, I want fresh food so bad. Do you have zucchinis or something? I guarantee if you posted on the Facebook page, I'm hungry. Does anybody have spare produce? You would have two dozen people <laughs> say, yes, where are you? I'm coming by or come pick it up here or right. Yeah, or, that's awesome. They have it. Can I bring it to you? Are a lot of people taking advantage of this? Not so much. That's part of the problem, I think, (laughs) that I see with a lot of permaculture collectives. I mean, all the way around the world, really, when I see them, is there's so much focus on how to do it right. Yeah. Using air quotes right now, how to do it right, rather than how to share and learn. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. For that reason. I mean, way back when, I don't know if I had graduated college yet so either before 2017 or after which Mm -hmm. i know doesn't help anybody but a while ago utah permaculture collective was kind of starting as was slc air protectors Mm -hmm. which in my head um they started out almost as the same thing i don't know if that's true but that's how i remember it and they were so concerned about how to structure it Mm -hmm. they were talking about connecting farms and building farms and I was sitting there after my years of farming Mm -hmm. thinking there are so many farms there are so many extra produce yes (laughs) <laughs> Why doesn't everybody here yes. just go volunteer for Wasatch Community Gardens? Stop reinventing the wheel. Yeah, I was so blown away and everyone Yes. <laughs> we went around the circle and everyone shared why they were there and what they were hoping to get out of it and I was the last one and I was just like everybody here is preaching to the choir. Mm-hmm. This is already done. We just need to go out to the structures that be. Yes all these awesome nonprofits that are around the Salt Lake Valley. they're already there. And just volunteer. Mm -hmm. But Utah Permaculture Collective did come out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Going into the history of it a little bit, a whole different group of people ran it before. I don't know who founded it or if that's important. But when I came back to it after that original meeting, probably three or four years later, it was, there's a the Utah Permaculture Collective, and then they wanted to have different guilds, which I thought yeah. the word guilds <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah, it's cute. <laughs> um, but different guilds, and they're in different neighborhoods, and mm-hmm. every week they have a neighborhood event. Yeah. And I did really like that. Yeah. To me, it felt a little bit... Yeah. <laughs> it, some of them were really wonderful and educational, Part of me wanted to go just to socialize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was sewing. There was seating. There yeah. were all sorts of things. Yeah, I, soft with, darning. So, yeah. <laughs> Bread breaking. Yeah. All these really cool things. But that did take away from mm-hmm. prior four years ago, everyone talking about producing food and distributing it. Yeah. So now from that original... 
let's reinvent the wheel to this really mm-hmm. community-oriented neighborhood. Yeah. Community building. Yeah. Thing that was UPC before the pandemic to now when basically all the leadership left, mm-hmm. Kira really stepped in and now it's this connection, more of a connecting network. Yeah. Thing that... Well, and what you just said, you know, it used to be these two things and now we're trying to really bring it to both of those together. Yeah. Where we are growing food, we are having these large cooperative gardens where people are growing and co-growing and donating food. Um, and also building up those, um, sort of those citywide guilds yeah. because those, they provide so much social support for people. I mean, to have a weekly place to go where you're with like-minded people mm-hmm. and, and your neighbors. Yes. Yeah. You show up a little bit early and you garden together. Um, and then, you know, you have a little potluck, you, you talk about where everybody's at. They yeah. were so fulfilling so warming I think amazing for me they were really healing I was at a place in my life I used to work so much Mm -hmm. which after a full summer of not working because I was working at a high school and salaried through the summer and now I'm a grad student yeah and it was like oh my gosh I was working 50 60 hours a week volunteering my time working two different jobs at some point before the pandemic I realized okay I need to simmer this down and I need to focus on social Mm -hmm. my social life yeah and those potlucks those Mm -hmm. guild (laughs) permaculture potlucks were a huge part of that and oh that it felt really healing for me and then, of course, the pandemic hit, and life and it was blew irresponsible up. to do them in person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that that was. I mean, for everybody, it was just such a huge thorn. Of it is irresponsible for us to be hosting in person events, and honestly, we struggled with meeting the needs to uh, the social needs of our community yeah. at that time. And people leaned a lot on Facebook, and then eventually, everybody got. You know, a little sick of screens and yeah. sick of Zoom. So it's really, it's really in quite a rebuilding process where if people are comfortable gathering, we support them. And if people still are uncomfortable being around people, then... Yeah, support them in the ways you can exactly. without uh, interacting. Exactly. And how can we still keep up with what they're doing, yeah. how they're doing, mm-hmm. and at the same time building these larger sort of cooperative groups of people that are collectively producing food. Well, I think that's really great. I hope down the line, Utah Permaculture Collective really does expand Mm -hmm. across Utah because there are so many, as I said before, permaculture gardens or organic gardens, small community gardens. There's Wasatch Community Gardens. I'd love to see all of that really connected and as a resource for people. So that's yes. that's my personal hope for the organization Absolutely. that you chair. <laughs> yeah. I kick myself sometimes for buying a house on a third of an acre because I look at the garden size and I think, you dumbass, you should have just <laughs> bought a small house on a small piece of land and then garden with your friends. But yep. instead, again, you tried to do it all yourself and now you shot yourself in the foot. So even though like, <laughs> these things are on my mind and it's a big part of my world... We still slip up. You yeah. Know, we still get too excited at the prospect of building my own thing. We get yeah. So it's going to be my Eden. Yeah. I, right now, learning a lesson from you because I've always had the dream of, you know, having my partners and a nice house, a sustainable mm-hmm. house with all the sustainable things. And in the past, it did incorporate a chicken coop. And mm-hmm. now I'm like, only if someone else wants to take care of it and a big yard that has space for all the things. Yes. But I mean, one of my dear friends, Jen Colby, she will be the one once I actually invite her (laughs) to come on and talk about community cats and feral cats. Yeah. She farms all over and she does have her own backyard and she does have her own chickens, Mm -hmm. but that's what she does. She's going everywhere all the time and farming. It's like, well, I'd be down to buy a little house with a little backyard, enough room for whatever family I create, mm-hmm. and then farm elsewhere. I've yeah, I've lived in this house that we're in right now in Salt Lake City for almost nine years. In October, wow. it'll be nine years. Wow. 
And there's no yard. There's nowhere for me to farm. And I've never needed to. Yes. Because... You farmed everywhere else. Everywhere. Like, my friends yeah. would be like, hey, come help me with this. Come help me with that. I have too many tomatoes, too many zucchinis. And yes. I worked at a farm. And there's always been... Like, there's a farm on the campus at Utah State where yeah. I'm now a grad student. And and if I want to go farm, I'm just going to go farm with you. Yeah. Come <laughs> so, farm with us. Yeah. Um, really yeah. interesting that everybody has this dream of building their own community on this one property that they yeah. own and it's like you know what i think it's the wrong direction i think it is the <laughs> wrong direction absolutely i'm admitting that as a house owner <laughs> yeah i mean i do eventually want to have a little property of my own but similar to what we're sitting in right now it's very yes. small <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of plants and i don't have to do much mm-hmm. to clean it yeah. <laughs> and i have my privacy so yeah that's what i want I think a lot about stacking functions in my life. For a long time, I was trying to exercise at a gym and go socialize with people and go to work and then go to garden. Yeah. And now I can do all of those things at once. I mean, I'm going to work. <laughs> yeah. But I think the idea of stacking is a really important tool for people who mm-hmm. feel like you know, throw my arms up. I just, I don't have time. I can't time. do it all. I don't have time. So I'm just going to go get some takeout food and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That's, Watch some Netflix. That's fine. Yeah. that That's going to happen. But I really, a big thing that I found to contribute to success of really diving into permaculture in a way that feels good is to stack those things. Yeah. You're getting exercise or you're getting movement when yeah. you garden. I mean, you're squatting. Bring if... people in. Yeah. To your yard or go to their yard. Get in your car or take the bus mm-hmm. or take your bike and go to someone else's yard. It mm-hmm. will always be worth your time. Something that I've always told people when they're struggling, when they're new to a place, if they're new to Salt Lake, whatever's going on, they're kind of struggling or they want to start something new. I tell people, just go volunteer mm-hmm. and preferably volunteer doing something outside with people and to me that is yes that's gardening that's fruit picking that's life advice maybe even like picking up trash because the nature conservancy does that go volunteer for tracy aviary and bird and learn how to bird because that's also important there are so many ways (laughs) that that i mean the ripple effect of positivity volunteering whether you can be a regular volunteer or you went for a week and you never go back, you're going to learn stuff. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet new people. Somebody is going to appreciate you so much. You're not going to understand. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Whenever I have volunteered for things, and now I've I've led so many volunteers, and I, I've talked about this in the episode about urban habitat, <laughs> I volunteered and people were like, thank you so much. It means so much that you're here. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And this was true, especially at like the kitten nursery. Yeah. And it was just like, I'm just hanging out with kittens for three hours. Yeah. And they're like, you've helped us so much. So and helpful. It didn't feel like that. And that praise feels really good and it feels unwarranted. But it's so true. Even yes. no matter where you go yeah. to volunteer, it's such a good way to get involved in your community, be happy, move your body, unless you're volunteering on the computer. I don't know, but who wants to yeah. do that yeah, nowadays? Do that. <laughs> Everyone doesn't want to be on their computer anymore. Unless so. you're helping out with like voting reach out. Yeah. Then do that. <laughs> yeah. Do that. That's great. Yeah. That's good stuff. But volunteering can't emphasize it enough. Yes. It's so great. It's so great. Yeah. Before we wrap up, there's also so many other things about you and about the, the way you think personally that does come into Utah permaculture, mm-hmm. and you say you're a human movement nerd. Oh yeah. One, I want you, <laughs> I want you to expand a little bit on that human movement nerd, but also a question that I've never asked you as your friend: How in the world did you get here? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's that, a planet. Yeah, yeah. out there. <laughs> um, I mean, just. How, what influenced you to prioritize these different things and seek out permaculture and movement and Mm -hmm. valuing that? 
because that is not the norm here. Yeah. Um, or in you're from Canada, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so way back when, somewhere down the line. So I think, well, I I've always been blessed that I'm a happy person. Yep. That's, I'm 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 happy. You're a very happy and person, I'm, and I love it. Never take that for granted. And from when I was little, I so I started dance when I was. Uh, six or seven years old. Okay. And so that always put me on a team. Mm. And even though dance is somewhat of an individual sport because it's your job to show up and yeah. do all the things, you're still working on a team. Yeah. And I think that, I, I think for people that that is a really important thing to, from a young age, realize that you exist as part of a whole. Yeah. And what is my role in that? And I think that... And it can be so fun and so fulfilling. It's so fun and so my fulfilling. My best memories yeah. as a little kid were on my soccer team. Yeah. Or being at an event or doing mm-hmm. something with a group of people and yes. being part of it. Even though sometimes practice sucked. It was yeah. still so fun yeah. to be with my friends. Totally. <laughs> yeah. So I think from a young age, I really dove into that. I always enjoyed being on a team or being part of a company or really just being a part of a group. I call myself a severe extrovert because <laughs> I just don't really have a lot of introverted qualities or hobbies. <laughs> I'm really, really extroverted. And I think dance also built up this appreciation for movement and love for movement. Yeah. I love to move. I love to express. I love to dance still. Yeah. Um, and when I got to college and it became a little bit more cerebral, but it was also paired with the physicality. Mm-hmm. I got really interested in anatomy and physiology and kinesiology, and then that moved even more towards really just assessing how all people should move and yeah. how how our bodies are, are old. Our biology, <laughs> like I said before, yeah. is so old. And if we don't honor that, we're going to get sick. And mm-hmm. so in my head, I'm like, no brainer. I just, I, really, <laughs> I don't want to be sick. Yeah, yeah. I really want to prioritize learning as much as I can about how bodies are supposed to function Yeah, in ourselves and also with other people, because that is key to our biology is, is, is connection and community. What a great background for you to have to yeah, create such so a fucking lucky. foundation. <laughs> so I lucky. mean, I kind of grew up with that knowing that I need to, you know, my parents yeah. value exercising and yeah. they always, they meant to eat well, but I don't know if they really understood what that meant. They were just kind of like, don't eat a lot. Yeah. Don't eat fat or sugar Yeah, or carbs. And it's like, well... But why? Yeah. You know? <laughs> it was just blanket, exercise. like, don't eat a lot and exercise. Yeah, exercise, get eight hours of sleep, drink water. Like, we know all these things, but it's like, but it's, why? Yeah. Why? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm, I'm so fascinated at all the science that contributes to why we are these super weird little <laughs> things. It's so fascinating. And the it's not just a checklist sociology of, what to do. of why people don't. Yes. That's yes. It a huge always... part. I used to get so irritated when people were like, oh, you hippie, you're eating organic kale. It's like... Yes, I am. Man, <laughs> like, why is that stigmatized? Yeah. I mean, I understand that it comes with me being, I was, you know, college student and idealistic and well-off, privileged, but it was like, this is good you are all those things that i just listed too and you should be doing that and yes. people are like i have no idea why you like to run yeah because it makes me feel good and yes. it makes you feel good it like is good moving is so good yes. and i just getting shit for things like that always blows my mind and yeah. in the past i used to just want to fight those people now i'm just like yeah okay yeah, go I, fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like I literally go fuck yourself. I wish, I'm gonna eat this kale salad. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could be on par with this. I'm not spending my energy here, but yeah. go on. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, so I think that's a big part of it is just really being curious about the why of of, of humanity. Yeah. From a biological perspective and a sociological perspective. It's and then the food bit, like how this came into permaculture is I also am I just, I love food so much. Like, since I was a kid, I've always had mm-hmm. borderline issues with, like, how much I love food and how important it is to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think permaculture was a really 
important way to bring that together because I, I recognize that our food system is really sick and it is perpetuating our human sickness. And I wouldn't even, I I like the word sick over broken. Yeah. Because it's it's functioning. It's functioning really well. It's feeding a lot of people, but it's, it's, but it's making us sick. Yeah. Literally. I learned the other day that how they harvest wheat for all of the things that we eat that aren't organic to make sure that it's all ripe at the same time because wheat doesn't all ripe yeah. at the same time. They spray it with Roundup and that kills all Yay! of it. Literally drench it in Roundup. Oh my god! And then they harvest it and they process it. And I'm like, of course, like, why did I never know that? And why... Am I still eating that? And yeah. how can I help other people not eat that either? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm... that makes me so, I mean, just another thing to add to the eco-grief. Granted, yes. I don't want I to say that in a way that just <laughs> lets people sink into it because... Yeah, don't sink into it. You got this. Yeah, yeah. Go there's... garden with your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and there's good ways to get food all around you. I know sometimes it's hard, but now hopefully you know that you can reach out for help to Utah Permaculture Collective over Facebook. And there's, I believe you have an email because I emailed you and I shared your email with somebody recently. at (laughs) utahpermaculturecollective.com. (laughs) <laughs> love it <laughs> and your logo now is dope it's i was dope. looking at yeah, it on i think facebook oh, really good so beautiful Gorgeous. three hands yeah and yeah just very nice well done i cannot stress how important farming mm-hmm. has been to me i did make the decision to not be a farmer i said i don't want to do this anymore this is actually when i was working with kira as a landscaper i was like i can't do this sort of labor anymore yeah i just i kept getting injured and Mm -hmm. another kind of issue but if (laughs) i probably could have worked through it in different ways looking back now but food i mean when i was younger got mixed messages about eating, mm-hmm. about what my body should look like, about yeah. how much I should exercise and about how you should feel. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I I'm not sure if I said this on the podcast before, so bomb drop. Um <laughs> I had an eating disorder. I went from anorexia to bulimia and then I went to the University of Utah, thought I was going to become a doctor, so I was like I need to volunteer all my time. Mm-hmm. And I was like I don't want to work with kids, which is ironic cuz now I freaking love kids. <laughs> and I found this garden thing. I was like, well, that sounds good. And I went and one of the first things I asked, cause I was a freshman in college. It was week two. I didn't know how to talk to people yet. I was like, you go into the football game. And the people there were like, we hate football. And I was like, oh my God, these are my people. <laughs> and you eat kale? I eat kale. <laughs> I didn't eat kale back then, but I learned because they cared so much about the food and Mm -hmm. cooking together and I was struggling with this eating disorder and this horrible meal plan with campus as a student living there and just fell so far into that Mm -hmm. but being at this garden and learning that the food system is sick that I am sick Mm -hmm. that I need to reach out and I need help yes and I talked to people I didn't go through a program I didn't pay anybody I was just like this is what's going on and this food is really important to me and from there I left my eating disorder Mm -hmm. and if if I have euphoria now in my body it's (laughs) it's more because of my gender not because of like the actual (laughs) function and shape and size of it like I feel strong and I feel good and yeah I love what I eat and I want to reiterate what you said, which was when you removed yourself from the food system that was sick and you put yourself in a community and food system that was healthy, mm-hmm. you self-healed with the help of your community, your eating disorder. Oh man. <laughs> I just, I just, I want to yeah. highlight that. I've never thought about it in that term. Yeah. There, those I, terms. Like, go to therapy for sure. Yeah. Go to therapy, talk to people. <laughs> Tell people you're proud, you know, like do all the things. Mm -hmm. And if you stay in the environment that's making you sick, you're going to stay sick. And unfortunately, a lot of people just don't know. Yes. 
that they're in this sick food system. Yes, that, and yeah, that gosh, their environment is, is yeah, making them sick. My life would be so different had I not decided that one day to go volunteer yeah. with those people. I'd yes. probably still be sick. I don't know if I would be alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it could have gone any direction, and I know I'm happy, and that's what led me to learning about environmental studies at the mm-hmm. University of Utah, which led me to urban planning and design and then birding. I love to bird and I love to exercise and Mm -hmm. I want to protect the planet. And just that day, (laughs) if we talk about pivotal moments, that one. That's the day. Yeah. And I hope that a lot of people can have that with gardening and hopefully the Utah Permaculture Collective. If you've never gone out and gardened and grown your own food, you want to move, you want to meet people. Try it out. You don't Try have to make any commitment, but no, it's a really no commitment. You'll get some food. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah. good way to make yourself happier mm-hmm. and hopefully self heal if that's what you need in the way that I needed it in the past. Yeah. So I didn't mean to get up on my little soapbox there and talk about. I, I think me, it's but an important thing to talk about. Yeah, I hope yeah. a lot of people can mirror that story if they need it. Yeah. Yeah. And just taking that first step of courage to engage with the community. Yeah. And to assess what environments are not working for you and reach out mm-hmm. for help. Because that's, that's a big part of permaculture too. Because yeah. as humans, we're in constant cycles of ill and health. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our breath, literally. If we inhaled <laughs> forever, we would die. But yeah. we have to exhale. If we exhaled forever, we would die. We have to inhale. Mm. Our body is in a constant state of balancing mm-hmm. illness and wellness and illness. And we have to take a look at that in our broader life as well. Yeah. Our environments, communities, eating habits, movement habits, all the things. Very well said. I almost want to end there, but there's one last thing <laughs> that I want to share that I learned with Utah Permaculture Collective you would go around in a circle or at least make it an option to, uh, I forget what it was. It was to share a need or like... Needs and offerings. Needs and offerings. I think this should be part of every community because you can be sitting in a room and need something and somebody else might have the opportunity to offer it. The first time I ever did it, I was like, I need female friends. Mm-hmm. And all these people came out of the woodwork. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, that's all I needed to do. Yeah. And yes. you do have things to offer. We all have things to offer, whether that's being yeah. a running partner or whether that's being a painting partner or mm-hmm. just spending time with people or you do have way too much zucchini because everybody does. Yes. So, yeah, yeah I thank you for <laughs> always being part of that. Um, For me, needs and offerings are great things to do with your friends, with your families. It might seem really cheesy because it certainly seemed cheesy to me at the time. I was like, let's go around in the circle, talk about needs and offerings. But, yeah, wow, what a way to humanize people. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. really cool. Even if it's like, I need a sewing kit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, um, tell us how people can find... Either you or Utah Permaculture Collective. Sure. I know we mentioned it, but let's... Yeah. So we are on Facebook. We have both a page and a group. And it's simply the... Not the. <laughs> it's simply Utah Permaculture Collective. You can also send an email to info at utahpermaculturecollective.org. That's a mouthful, so make sure you spell it right. <laughs> there is an option once you have joined our Facebook group to sign yourself up for not necessarily a membership, but you can sign yourself up to receive our emails and to know about events and to volunteer yourself even further. So if you're not a big fan of social media, you can send an email, we'll send you the form and you can still stay connected with us. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and in the meantime, go garden with a friend. <laughs> yeah. Woo. <laughs> volunteer, garden, eat good food. Well, thank you again. Kira so much. Thank you. I have to say thank you to AJ for the intro music. With all the editing I've done, it's been so nice to put that at the end, in the beginning. So mm-hmm. super thanks to AJ. And like my dad always says, use your head and be clever. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>